0: Okay, deserving listeners, it is officially Star Wars month, meaning that there's another Star Wars movie coming out this month. This episode might actually come out after the new Star Wars movie comes out. And so in respect of the time, we are going to do a Star Wars themed episode, which is going to please uh, about 3% of our listeners (laughs) and alienate the, the other 97%. But screw you guys, Uh, I'm going home with my friends, and we're going to talk about uh, Star Wars because it's interesting. And we're going to infuse psychology into it. So in this episode, we're going to analyze Anakin Skywalker's psychology, Mm. because I think it's very interesting. Now, uh, this was suggested by Colin from Austin, our senior Austin, Texas correspondent. He suggested it, uh, and I, at the first I thought, you know, we actually already did an episode about this, right but it was years ago. In fact, yeah. I found the old notes. It was literally 10 years ago. No way. Yeah. And it was the one where Ryan came over and we talked about oh. the jet program and we also talked about Darth Vader. So yeah, the star Wars, Anakin roots go deep into this podcast. <laughs> But, uh, so let's analyze Anakin Skywalker's psychology. What do you say, Colin and Umberto?
1: Yeah. May the force be with us.
0: This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor, and my favorite Star Wars product is episode four. Humberto?
2: My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I repair uh, vintage antique lightsabers. My favorite Star Wars product? Uh, as in any product, like including movies and stuff like that, yeah, uh, definitely episode five.
0: okay. Colin,
1: uh, my name is Colin Miller, and my favorite Star Wars product would it would be a toss up between Carrie Fisher's badass attitude as a, a result of her experience on Star Wars because uh-huh. I love her stand-up. Um, so that's that's a contender, and of course episode five. Very and uh, I create breathing apparatuses for Evil people,
0: <laughs> very
2: <laughs> creative on the on the product of the franchise. There,
0: <laughs> Colin, you should probably try to work on how loud those products are because you know they're a little.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we're in the uh, the preliminary stages, uh, and I apologize to <laughs> any users. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, Colin, I have been really busy preparing for other episodes and did not have time to prepare for this one. So, I'm going to hand the the uh, uh, steering wheel over to you, and why don't you, because you're actually a very good podcaster, lead us, please.
1: Well, I think that the best way to start um, dissecting as if you were uh, taking a lightsaber to a Tauntaun, uh, figuring out Anakin's you know, inner workings, what makes him tick, is to go right back to the beginning uh, before we even see him. And uh, of course, in, if it, in case anybody is Uh, in contention about when we first see him technically we first saw him in episode four but you know chronologically then several years down the road george lucas created episode one and then we saw him as a a tiny child which you know i think for personally for me the best way to watch them is to start with episode four and watch four or five and six and then watch one two and three and then force awakens and go from there I don't really know about how, where to put Rogue One or Solo in there, but wherever. Um, but I, I guess we should say spoilers for all of the Star Wars movies. Yeah, that- absolutely. Spoiler
2: all the way through. By the way, I wasn't aware there was an episodes one through three. That's really weird. and those <laughs> like
1: parodies or something? Yeah. Um, well, uh, if you go online, if you type in uh, Mr. Plinkett, on YouTube. Oh, yes. very a, familiar with he them. pulls images from some <laughs> movies. I don't know if they were made in another galaxy, but um yeah. anyway. So so we know that Anakin grew up on Tatooine and his upbringing was not the best, to say the least. He was a slave. And as as far as we know, he was a a very skilled slave because his I guess you could say owner. I, I take uh, issue with the term But uh, in terms of how the system works on that planet, yes, he was owned by this junk dealer named Watto. And Watto, you know, very much uh, prized Anakin for his ability to build things and also his ability to fix things. So when a Naboo cruiser arrives on Tatooine and a beautiful woman who is secretly a queen, a stoic Jedi with an amazing beard, and a goofy character who doesn't need to be mentioned show up. Uh, they ask him for his help because their ship is damaged. He can't end up fixing it, but what he can do is race this uh, crazy intergalactic vehicle called a pod. <laughs> I guess they're, called, <laughs> they're just simply called pods. Anyway, it's yeah. a pod racer. And, uh, and he ends up going with them on their starship. But I think the thing to focus on here is... The effects of what being a slave meant to Anakin, because by the way,
2: sorry, by the way, oh, I, I think they're, they're actually called pod racers because like, like land, like the land speeder and the, the you know what I'm saying? Like the snow speeder and stuff like they call things by like a descriptor plus another descriptor. Mm-hmm. So I really think they're called pod racers.
1: Right, I think, there, and also there was a video game or something that was like N sixty four Pod Racer. Yeah, I yeah. think you're correct. I think I just was thinking about that line that Anakin delivers, where he's like, "Oh, there's this race on Boonta Eve. You could enter my pod, but anyway." Oh, there, that's
2: fair. That's counter but,
0: evidence. Evidence right there.
1: I don't know, I'm <laughs> but anyway. The so there are these really well, fast wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. Let's spend another 35 minutes talking about this topic. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's very important.
1: <laughs> so I guess my, um, this leads me into a question for Kirk, because uh, I am not a licensed uh, family therapist like you, but I would imagine that um, when you're five, six, seven years old, I, I don't really know how old he's supposed to be. Actually, I think he's older than that, like nine or ten. Um, up until that point, the only positive reinforcement that he got was from his mother. And other than that, it was neglect and abuse and also you do this and you do this well. And if you do this well, I may not punish you and your mother might have a better life for that moment, whether she gets treated better or she gets breaks from her chores. I imagine they use that as leverage against him. So that's the very beginning, I think, of where Anakin comes at relationships So, does that mean anything to you? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of different ways to take it because, you know, the movie is made for kids. So, the tone of it is not one of suffering and abuse and what we might call actual slavery, right? It comes across more like he's just a really smart kid who works at this shop and has this crotchety, uh, you know, (laughs) flying boss. But if we take it for what it, Probably was like is his mom is a slave too yeah so he comes from a you know some kind of generational slave situation and slave you know they they use the word slave yeah. they, they don't use the word like he's just a really good worker he's a slave yeah and slave means he's owned and that has uh, as we could imagine a v- lot of effects on Not only his uh, experience, but also his mom's experience. And what we're we're really looking for uh, in my world is how traumatized was his life up until that point and how much attunement and secure attachment did he get? Now, the mom, to me, comes across kind of depressed, kind kind of subdued, kind of inactive, maybe a little given up on some level like a bad script kind of (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so you could imagine young anakin growing up because you know his demeanor is certainly very independent right he's he when you first bump into him he's a you know precocious young man he Uh, He pod races with seemingly adults. And very
2: upbeat and positive about it.
0: Right. And he doesn't ask for permission to make C-3PO and to make his pod racer. So what we can gather from that is the possibility that he has what we call avoidant attachment. Meaning that the way he was raised by his mom, probably for personality reasons and also marginalization reasons, and the fact that there was no dad <laughs> yeah. and uh, to support her. And she, she seemingly had no family and no friends to support her. That as she's uh, uh, raising young Anakin at the age of zero, one, two, three, she's being fairly standoffish and not very attuned. Right. Kind of from a depressed standpoint and not... Uh, And giving the message to Anakin that when he has a need, he can't really ask for help. And he has to figure things out on his own. So there's a pro and a con to that lesson and that defense style. The pro is that you're very independent. You're often uh, seen as very competent. You uh, seemingly are very strong emotionally. You seemingly can handle things. But the con is that you're emotionally arrested and extremely dependent on other people and also very hurt and alone and lonely. And you're so distrustful of other people that you actually don't even reach out for help. And we could, you know, probably let's just just kind of end it there, but we'll see results of that avoidant attachment later.
1: Yeah. And I feel like talking about the mom is probably a good next step because I have to wonder, or rather, I did wonder as I was thinking about this episode, what was the narrative that she gave to Anakin surrounding his birth? Because I know that, and it, it doesn't. I it would happen early, you know, in your development, but throughout our entire lives, um, we question, you know, where we come from. But that's a that's a big question, just for everyone, and it's a it's a right that everyone should have to figure out where they come from. Uh, and I find that to be extremely important and I know that, you know, some cultures um, are super repressed and they don't necessarily have that right and I feel like this movie isn't making a statement about that at all. I don't think it had that big idea, but Anakin is literally someone who comes from nowhere. Not just is he not only is he a slave and your identity sort of well 100% taken away at that point because you have no rights, but he doesn't have a father. He doesn't have a father and there's no explanation as to why that is. And I'm not, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a single parent. Uh, I'm not in any way making a judgment on Shmi. I, I honestly forgot her name. I think that's her name, but Shmi? Um, the, yeah, that's the your mom. Name. Oh, really? yeah. yeah. Okay. Shmi. Um, I'm not making a statement about that, but I'm curious about what it feels like for Anakin to be told, you're my son, I gave birth to you. It's unlike anything that is known to be natural. Also, there was no father. I wonder, first of all, did she say that? Like, was that the narrative? Or did she say something else? Like, I had a relationship that ended. That's There's no evidence of that. The only evidence that we have is that she told the truth. And I guess that was really interesting to me and i was wondering like from y'all's perspective do you think it was advantageous for her to tell the truth and what that truth meant for anakin i'm just curious where y'all come at in terms of that so this is a really interesting one because on the one hand
2: this is one of the trillions of missed opportunities that i felt is that look think about think about the parallelism right the whole arc for luke is about his father right and here we have the opportunity to like parallelize and like learn something about Darth Vader uh, about his father, but they really lightly touch on it, right? Like it's like, and, and, uh, not only do we know very little, but I feel like he knows very little. He never, how often is he talking about this? He, even as he grows up and all these kinds of things. Now I think those are flaws in the storytelling. So if I, if I imagine what really would have happened, and maybe that's the thrust of your question is like, yeah, inevitably he would have been like, but who's my father? And even if he was someone important or relevant or whatever in the society, uh, which is not likely, uh, she would have had to minimize it because there, there he wasn't coming back. Uh and and uh so he probably he probably was told this very basic story and then he had to grow up thinking uh like sort of like aggrandizing himself for his own uh, for, on his own terms because he's like, I'm a nobody inside of himself. He's like, I'm a nobody. I come from nowhere. I have almost no belonging. And that's got to be
1: ridiculously hard.
0: Yeah. Good point. I could see, we can see that come to fruition later in life too.
1: Yeah. I, I I'm interested in the shots that George Lucas, I, I think he directed Phantom Menace and Sith I don't think he directed clones, but he definitely directed the first one. And there are some shots of Qui-Gon, like, standing really really close to Shmi, as if to give this, like, paternal-maternal mirroring, and Anakin's usually, like, right there next to them, either, like, at their dinner table, or I think he's working on the pod, and they're watching him, and they, and Qui-Gon and Shmi have this, like, really intimate conversation about him, and right at the point where Anakin is, I guess you could say, I had in a transitional period just biologically, I guess he's about to enter a new phase of adolescence. This man comes into his life, Qui-Gon, who I think basically becomes a surrogate father. And Mm. I don't know that this, you know, was the intention of the film. It could have been more, just superficially like Jedi mentor, like it is the will of the force that this Jedi finds this little boy and that's what they focus on talking about. And then they talk about metachlorians, but I don't really give a shit about that. (laughs) I was more interested in like Anakin's moment where everything is negative and then this ultimate positive. And not only is it the ultimate positive of the father, but what he is presenting to Anakin, this very impressionable boy, impressionable pardon me is the the thrill of space travel the dream of becoming a jedi which anakin says has always been his dream that's that's a line somewhere and then that's taken away from him too i mean there's steps before that but i mean there's just like loss upon loss upon loss but but i guess before jumping fully ahead to qui-gon's death um I was wondering if you guys had any reactions to the way that Qui-Gon spoke to Anakin in terms of a hero narrative. Because I feel like there was some of that going on where Qui-Gon was emphasizing, you are super. Like, you, are, you have superhuman abilities, which to a degree, in Star Wars universe, we have to take as reality because there is real magic in that world. But on another level, he was setting Anakin up for, you can do anything. Did either of you get that impression?
0: Right. I don't know if I've ever thought about it until you're talking about it here, but another aspect of avoiding attachment is narcissism, is a dependence on the self. So essentially, you learn to defend against the neglect by saying uh, you have a dilemma. You either say it's either my fault that I'm being neglected or it's their fault I'm being neglected. And for the avoidant people and the narcissistic people, they will conclude it's it's their fault, it's not my fault. And but in order to retain some security, you have to believe that one of us has to be strong, because if if both of us are weak, then I'm truly screwed. So there's a defensive grandiosity that kicks in about uh, for these people, and they will believe that they are special and that they're better than others and that they're uh, smarter and you know all these kinds of things and they gear their lives in those ways of actually um, you know presenting themselves as achieving things and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, uh, they didn't really exhibit this in Anakin's in young Anakin's attitude mm-hmm. but they did in his in his older life is uh, a grandiosity, a specialness an entitlement a narcissism. Yeah. Because of it it defends not only against the notion that deep down he feels like he's just a worthless slave on the inside, someone that doesn't even deserve his own mother to to care for him. Uh, but it also uh, you know just pumps him up. I mean, there's there's just so many different things to say. Like Shmi just lets him go. Yeah. You know, it's like well he wasn't meant for this world. Like she didn't give up much of a fight. No. So we could conclude that you know that was a general. Uh, I mean, she could have said, well, I could come with you. Yeah. You know what and I mean?
1: And she and she says, don't look back. Yeah. I mean, literally.
0: Yeah. Right. So she probably had some self-esteem issues on that level in terms of her worth as a mother. And then from out of the sky, this Jedi master, the, you know, the glorious knights from on high come down and say you are the chosen one.
2: Right, like the quite possibly the best father figure that could possibly manifest itself, not only shows right. up, but then tells you that you're the best thing ever in the in the existence yeah. of
0: everything. You're the chosen one for the galaxy. Imagine what that would do to your narcissism. It's like, I always knew it. My father is here. You know, life is actually, you know, coming uh, to the fruition that I thought it would. And uh, how that can lead down a certain road uh, later.
1: Yeah. And I, I also feel like there's some dark shit when it comes to Qui-Gon in this film that is definitely glossed over because that gambling scene is really uncomfortable where he's talking to Watto and he's just like, oh, can I take the boy and the mom? And then he's like, oh no, you know, just one slave. And he's like, okay, well, just the boy. I don't, there's just like a callousness, maybe not callousness, it's more vacant, but the vacantness makes it uncomfortable. And it's like, that's, a, that's not a five, that's, that's not even a minute's worth of conversation. And you've just decided to take this small boy <laughs> away from his mom and you're not even going to fight like yeah. you are you are a jedi knight with connections in the republic you know you have access to senators and leaders of several different all the star systems in the republic somebody somewhere could probably get this you know i don't know how old she is but like probably not like a prime slave that's i let's uh, say i almost threw up just saying that but like she's <laughs> older she can't do as much as anakin they could have found a way to get her they, and have I, no and funds. Like, they have no funds in the Jedi Council?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I never thought that I would discover new things about Star Wars, but Colin, you just woke me <laughs> up to something. That's amazing. Uh, I never thought about that. I think I thought about that kind of, but not in that way. And again, we have to look at the Jedi Order. Well, what's the typical thing? You get the kid while they're at preschool, like they're, they're three years, four years old. And then they are essentially sent to boarding school and the Jedi Masters are there, but who's cuddling with the kids? Who's providing, uh, you know, the the whole message is suppress your feelings. Mm -hmm. Uh, Feelings are bad. Uh, You know, uh, train, be stoic, be smart, be thoughtful, Uh, use the force. And from the age of three and four years old, so all of these Jedi, including (laughs) Qui-Gon, were ripped away from their families and raised in a boarding school which we know as John Bowlby actually uh, went through this as well and and developed attachment theory because partly because of that experience of being an aristocrat in Britain and being you know foisted off and <laughs> off-lifted as many other aristocratic kids were and grew up to have a lot of attachment issues and attributed it to that fact that there's this culture of abandoning your children and, and it's not natural and, and all these other uh poorer kids are more well adjusted than the rich kids i mean just look at the royals for crying out loud right. in in britain and so you uh have qui-gon who uh it was separated from his parents early and you know and so one of the side effects of of having that experience is like you don't in in your heart really identify or understand the importance of that. One of the things that I would see clinically was I would be, you know, working with a parent uh, of a 15 year old and the 15 year old would be acting out and the parent would be coming to the state asking for the state to take the kid away. It's like, I can't deal with this kid. You need, you need to take the kid away. And there was always kind of a, a question mark. It's like, wow, you know, I get it. You know, you're frustrated with your kid. It's hard. But a lot of times uh, what we would find is that that parent, when they were 15, were abandoned or rejected oh, right. or ran away. Oh. There's, there's something about being abandoned and rejected or alone or something about that at a certain age where you just figure, well, yeah, that's the time when you grow up. And you end up applying that template to other people. So that's what Qui-Gon was potentially doing was, was one of just okay. like, maybe he didn't even watch me. Maybe he's like, look, this kid's gotta grow up. That's what I had to do. And two, the proper training means you gotta separate from your attachments. Right. Uh you can't be attached to your mom anymore. It's better if your mom stays behind. That's pretty fucked up. And actually, the reason Luke was meant to bring balance
2: to the force is because he did have secure attachments until they were brutally murdered.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was actually wondering about that. It's a slight caveat, but there is no mention of any kind of prophecy or any proclamation of Anakin's greatness mentioned in the original trilogy, right? Like he was literally just a, a fallen Jedi who had a son who ended up being very important. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, uh, Lucas completely retconned that, the, the way okay. for was, you know, Obi-Wan has right. just a couple lines about it. And he basically said, I had a student who fell to the dark side. Yeah. Or no, who got killed by someone? Yeah. Who got killed by Darth Vader? Um, right? Isn't and so and your dad was a hero, right? Um, I have no doubt that Lucas, uh, you know, the original thought in his mind was it was literally that that it wasn't um, that Darth Vader was his father. Uh, I'm quite convinced of that.
1: Yeah, because I don't same, fully it, understand the prophecy. Like I don't understand it. Well, when I, I'd say like even.
2: Even if I were to give Lucas the benefit of the doubt on that piece of it, there is no way that when he wrote four, he knew that someday one was going to have a prophecy about Anakin. Right. Right. Like that's, that's like, and, uh, and as far as like the prophecy's concerned, there's so many things that as we know, there's so many holes with like, wait a minute. So Darth Vader built C3 fucking pew. Like there's so many holes I can't even. So of course all that stuff is is by the seat of the pants. Like, the script is already late. I need to turn something in. These people are all depending on me. Fine, <laughs> fuck it. He's There's a prophecy. <laughs> well, and what he's thinking
0: is seven-year-olds won't care, you know? Right. Yeah. And I guess the 30-year-olds will, but I don't care about the 30-year-olds. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the, so, uh, Colin, do you watch The Clone Wars, the cartoon?
1: I'm about halfway through the second season. I've been watching it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah.
0: So, as you get more into it, there's a lot more of this uh balance in the force lore as stories that we see there's a tremendous amount of uh you know in this in this galaxy in the in the clone wars and i guess in episode you know 1 and 2 there's this notion around uh you have you know dark and light and uh, you know There needs to be balance that you actually need the Sith on some level and that without the Sith, the things get out of bat, get out of, or you need the dark side, whatever that Uh means, whether that's the Sith or something else. And it's, it's sort of yin and yang. And it's very, it's hard. It's not really the hero's journey, right? We don't typically have that kind of storyline. There's usually, it's usually good and evil, but, and it, and it is Star Wars definitely is the hero's journey of the good and evil. But there's this other notion that I don't know if it quite fits this notion of balance, like the matrix, right. that, the Neo comes and brings, brings balance. Um, and so that's what Anakin was. That was the prof, He was the prophesized one that would bring balance. And the idea is, is that, you know, even Yoda, who can see things far and wide into the future, into the past, he's like, we, there's a, you know, the, yeah, he's the one. But the future is fogged, you know, I, it's yeah. foggy. I can't really see. All I know is that Anakin is a part of the balance. I don't know how that's going to play out. I think it it's going to play out as him as a Jedi, but I can't really know that. So I'm going to hope to train him as a Jedi and maybe the balance will be a good thing in the end. I don't know. But ultimately what happens, because we have the benefit of all, yeah. you know, eight movies now is that. Uh, he did bring balance, I guess well we don't even know
2: because the rise of Skywalker
0: will finally see
2: what the fucking balance was all about.
0: <laughs> well, you have the rise of Skywalker and the the the, the, uh, the uh, reincarnation of Palpatine.
1: yeah oh God by the way, I posted I, on Twitter about that that in y'all in y'all's review of uh, the last Jedi, I think Umberto was kidding, and when you were talking about bringing back Palpatine's Force Ghost, and now it's like a oh reality.
2: It's so ridiculous. By the way, <laughs> that's that's so bad. Um, by the way, do you think they're going to try to make Darth Vader, Anakin, Anakin's father, be someone like Snoke or something?
0: Yeah, it's the 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 name is confusing. Um, I think it's a trick in that the skywalker is going to be like a moniker that they give to people not an actual skywalker
1: i think that that
2: too that could be fine not fair but i'm actually even independent of this of the name of the movie i'm wondering because you know in episode one the mystery was like oh is he like jesus where he's like or you know there's no father what's the deal But why is he so powerful with the Force, knowing now we know it's genetically transmitted? And then they had that confusing thing in this last movie. We're like, no, 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 it's not genetic. This kid was born in the random middle of nowhere, and he's got the Force. But I don't know if they're going to commit to that, because that was Ryan's movie. So are they going to go back to, like... It's both.
0: You you both have the chance of inheriting it like Ben Solo. right? And you also can randomly okay. just be born with it like like Ray right. did.
2: Do you think... Well, we don't know about Ray. I'm right
0: pretty now. sure they've decided Ray is not born.
2: I don't... I'm not going to put any money on that one. In fact, no, I am going to put money on... No, Ben was wrong because Ben either was clouded or was lying. But I'm actually wondering, are they going to try to be like, actually, Anakin did have an important father and it was blah and it was Snokey or... Or the, what was the other dude that was trying to live
1: forever?
0: God, yeah. I hope not. Yeah.
1: I hope not, too. I, not I feel too, like Anakin sure. just needs to be dead. Yeah, of course. But like Palpatine. Everyone, everyone needs to be yeah. dead. <laughs> they, they should be. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that was the whole theme of the second movie of this new trilogy, right? I mean, yeah. letting old things die. And yeah. I was not one of the people that had a problem with that. I thought that, you know, I guess we'll, we'll get back on Anakin in a little bit. But real <laughs> quick, um, my thought on The Last Jedi was that it set up a series of themes and it executed them all really well. It had three stories. It had an A, a B, and a C, A being Ray's training, B, Finn, and C, Poe and the ships. And I felt like A and C were super strong. B was pretty pretty good and fun, but not as deep. And had um, it still completed Finn's arc in that film, but in a less successful way than A and C. And I thought that, you know, Actually, I didn't know it was connected to the Clone Wars. It feels a little bit of like what you were talking to me about is going to be in that series where the light and the dark sort of bleed. And, and that was what really got me into the film was actually like this meeting between Kylo and Ray, and what that meant and the fact that they connect one ultimate dark, one ultimate light. And they're kind of tempted by each other's representation. And what that means for the future of the galaxy is really cool. So
0: yeah Yeah. race tempted by his pecs
1: oh my god i don't even (laughs) want to
2: acknowledge this by the way um i i don't disagree with you about a and c too much i personally hate it B meaning the whole casino sequence um but but yeah so to get back to anakin though like i have a question because i'm i'm not as up like i don't remember i haven't watched those movies in so long and blah blah the the one through three so i have a question um do do we see something in like maybe episode 2 where he is like does he really feel regret about leaving his mother or is it, or am i imagining this?
1: No, in episode 2 he's upset that he's dreaming about her. So, I guess well, let's I'm going to pose this, I'm going to reroute your question to Kirk because we only get this information as he's complaining to Obi-Wan because all he does is complain to Obi-Wan and Padme throughout the entire film. When he's talking to Obi-Wan, he's like, yeah, I can't sleep because I'm dreaming about my mom. She's dying. She's sick. She's in pain. So I'm, I'm thinking again, I'm not a licensed therapist. I don't have to keep clarifying that, but we know who the professional is here. Um, but yeah, it's Umberto. Yeah, for sure. And, um, but I would think that you could read into like, Oh, like this This guy's trying to, in some way, tell me that he's in some kind of shame place, like he feels shame and pain towards being separated from his mom and he feels responsible for whatever could be happening. And so these images, even though, yes, in the context of the film, he was right because he has force powers, you could interpret it as this nightmare of his decision, that he feels tied to in some way. Do you you think that maybe is something?
0: Yeah, it's an awful position to be put in. One, to be ripped away from the one person who actually was in your corner throughout your life uh, is awful. It's just an awful loss uh, to be, you know, just separated from her. And then to be a part of a boarding school that says you can't think about her. It's actually against our religion for you to even imagine uh, that that's actually okay for you to do. It's like completely against the rules to even think about her and to to talk about her is like another level of, of wrongness. And the fact that he has force powers where he can actually sense her suffering, what she is doing, uh, is, is, is going to cause some issues. And uh, so, yeah, I just can't imagine the toll that that would have on really all the Jedi And 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 their psyches and their uh, uh, attachment issues. I mean, Obi Wan and his you know uh, humorous quips are probably just covering up just (laughs) massive depression and pain. You know that that he's experiencing. (laughs) Um, Well,
2: it's got to be right because he's like droids. I don't remember owning any droids. Clearly, something wrong. Early onset dementia or (laughs) yeah,
0: and (laughs) and you know so he uh, Anakin loses his new father father figure to death and he's stuck with his brother figure in in Obi-Wan. Right. He has no father figure now. I guess you could say Yoda is kind of a father figure, but he's pretty distant. And no mother. And then he discovers that his mother he has, you know, more and more intense visions and really discovers I like, maybe this is in Sith when he discovers that his mother has actually been abducted by the Sand People. Right. And is implied to have been raped and tortured. Yeah. He uh he has again this narcissistic notion that has been pumped into him uh you know by the Jedi order that he is the special one. He is the m- person who will bring balance to the galaxy. He's one of the most powerful beings in the galaxy, if not the most powerful and yet he can't protect his own mother and this is you know part of lucas's i think good writing i think it was executed in a silly way but i think you know his attempt at this story arc was good yeah. and that even the most powerful you know his his you know his power can't save his own mother and so he you know flies off to Tat or to uh not tatooine or whatever
2: it's not tatooine is it tatooine
0: no where his mother lived yes, so she no longer lived oh, in tatooine okay tatooine, yeah, tatooine. Okay. Was tatooine. Um, so he flies off to tatooine finds her at the sand people uh, you know goes to her side she dies in his arms he uh, everything has been set up to make him feel guilty for this yeah everything has been set up to make him feel ashamed of this he abandoned her he didn't come to her earlier He should have. The Jedi told him not to. Right. Why not? Like, how about take a vacation? You're saving the world. How about go home and say (laughs) hi to your mom and help her out? Like, what's wrong with attachments? What was, oh, was that the reason given? Like, you got to let go of your attachments? That's that. Yoda said that to Luke. You got to let go of your friend. That's right. If you, you know, you're not ready to face Darth Vader, you have to let go. You're right here, right now. Like you have a job to do. You know you're important. You have a higher calling. You can't oh. worry about your friends. You know, Yoda, your f- silly friends. Who cares about Han and Leia? They have no. They have no bearing on the grand scheme of the story. You gotta. So it's it, you know it's it's privilege. Now we live in a society where it kind of privileges that kind of thing. Let go. Be stoic. Be professional. And this story reflects that what we should be looking at the Jedi is just a massive setup. And maybe that's what nine is going to be about. I kind of hope so. Cause you know, <laughs> uh, the story is kind of like that about how like Ben was separated from his parents and you know, has anyway uh, yeah. uh, I hope that they start to do a more humane training of the, of the no young Jedi. Jedi. Like, how about leave them with their parents? It's fine. You can you can train kids while they still are getting the developmental needs met by their parents. In
2: fact, if you do that, the parents would probably look in into the training and be like, "Don't give little kids lights real lightsabers and put helmets on their heads and have oh, them stand God. right next to each other."
0: Yeah. Yeah, there'd be all sorts of uh reforms done um at the Jedi training center. Um so, yeah, he loses his mom. He loses his dad figure. Uh, he loses his mom again. He is angry. He slaughters the Sand People. It feels good to him to slaughter the Sand People. gets into his anger. He is, he's totally set up for the dark side because of everything that the Jedi did to him and everything that society did to yeah. him.
2: I actually like your yeah. point that, Lucas actually, and this is something he did really well with four, is that he has the understanding, a deep, in fact, understanding about story and story structure and ideas and concepts that tie together. It's just that I think maybe because of being rushed or being too in control of all the details, whatever the case may be, uh, unable to string that together in a really strong
0: way, but really good ingredients. Right. Now, I have seen alternative scripts proposed on youtube uh one of which was like you keep uh anakin skywalker the father of of luke actually just a jedi you know person and and, and uh i can't remember the exact storyline but it it was this beautiful i won't bore the listeners but it was this beautiful storyline <laughs> that uh still made sense with four and still kind of had this themes of one two and three but just was so much more oh. better educated or more, more, better uh, uh, ex- executed. Anyway, so so where are we now in the development of uh, Anakin Skywalker's psychology, Colin?
1: Well, I think that so, Umberto, you mentioned Jesus, so I think we're we're not going to talk about Jesus, but I think this gives us a great opportunity to talk about Padme, and I think the way that he relates to her, because there's one scene in Episode One where Anakin is dealing with space cold for the first time. He's in the corner and he's, he looks like a, uh, uh, you know, a boy that you could see on the streets that doesn't have the proper clothes and is really, really uncomfortable. And, and your heart goes out to them. Um, well Padme comes in, she's not wearing blue, although he does meet her while she's wearing the, the blue that is often depicted, uh, you know, or rather Mary is often depicted as wearing blue, but she comes in with this like veil on. It's not a veil cause it's not covering her face, but it's like very matronly, very uh, regal, very officious, but like in a way that is serene and dignified uh, and and giving. It's like she she has the handmaiden guard on at that time and he doesn't know that she's queen. So she just walks over to him and takes care of him and there's this aspect of her healing him that I don't know why this hit me like this particular time, Um, but I have a feeling it's tied to a relationship of mine that recently ended where it became a back and forth between me and this person of this person being feeling cold to the world feeling isolated, feeling trapped, damaged, hurt, um, really out of control. And me coming to him in this cold room and offering him some kind of healing. Now, I think that healing somebody, giving them love, supporting them, that's what we all should do for each other. It doesn't have to be a romantic thing. But it can become when somebody like Anakin and like my ex haven't developed any particular tools and haven't, you know, had any kind of therapy or, and haven't had uh, stable relationships really. Um, when you tie in romantic attraction, it can become almost codependency. And that's really how it felt for me. And eventually I just got to this place where I was like, I don't know, I can't serve you or I in this scenario because I'm, I am not your therapist. And I really hope that you do seek therapy. Um, I can be there for you as a friend. And I had to separate from all the romantic aspects of what we would do together. And I feel like this is where Padme is with Anakin, even though she doesn't know it because Padme was elected queen at fucking 14. I mean, how, I mean, this is a, it's a constitutional monarchy. So she wasn't just like, you know, like with some monarchies where, oh, you're, you're five years old and the king dies, you know, congratulations, you're, you know, the prince of the princess is now ruler. Um, she was actually elected. So we have to assume that prior to 14, she was doing political activism. Then, and, and, and that's super early. So she must've been like a freaking genius or something. Then at 14, she's queen. And when those, you know, those years are gone, she goes straight into politics. The reason I'm giving a little background on Padme is I feel like she had no time for boys. Like most people with ordinary jobs, you know, struggle to fit in their relationship time because you also are juggling friends and family and drama and all this stuff. She probably had no time. So now she's forced, because at the beginning, no, no pun intended, forced into being with Anakin for an extended, for an indefinite period of time because he's her protector in episode two because there's an assassination on her life. And the Jedi Order said, Anakin, go with her to Naboo and just be with her. Make sure she doesn't die. Now, she can't do her politics. She's cut off from work. And this adolescent boy, who's much younger than she is, is sending all these really creepy signals to her. Like, very much so, like, if you go through it, he doesn't do a lot that is charming
0: in that film. Yeah, in today's light, it... Sniffs of Me Too movement. Uh.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's very disrespectful of her. And in my mind, of course, everybody's looking for different things, right? So I don't want to say that I know what somebody like Padme would be looking for, but it just did never ring true that somebody with that much intelligence, influence, stability would be like so taken by Anakin, other than the fact that she hasn't gotten up before. So. I'm honestly surprised that they get married because every it's like a yeah. burst. It's like a burst of energy that happens, and it's like, oh my god, I'm well, getting you, attention from a guy.
0: Yeah. Well, you could right. You could say, and again, a new things from Colin about Star Wars, <laughs> which I had, I thought there was no corner left unanalyzed, but yeah, I never thought about that detail because Padme, you know, uh, uh, what's her face, um, Natalie, Natalie Portman. She they both look older than their characters are supposed to be, right? Right. And so uh she right, she had to grow up too fast and then at later in life she is sort of forced to date and she makes some bad choices, right? right. Because most of us do when we're 13 but if you aren't allowed to make those bad choices and learn from them at 13 then you're going to make them at the age of 28 which is what she did that's so interesting
2: and and uh, uh the other funny part is can you imagine how awesome it would be if it turns out of course it's too late now and stuff but it turns out that all the things we thought were like maybe bad acting or bad script or whatever uh because they're like why would they get together so we, imagine if it was actually a really deep understanding of human dynamics and trauma by George Lucas and then it all came out on the other side that we were actually right to be horrified by those things and it and it worked into the plot somehow that would have been so amazing right like, it was like this oh, self-awareness
1: yeah. of like, no, it, it's actually wrong. You're right oh, you to be horrified see. about this. <laughs> yeah, and you can see, I think, in certain scenes where if you dialed it up or down or however you want to, you know, whatever, you know, mechanical metaphor you want to attach to it, if you changed it just a bit, and, what, and by you, I mean like you, the director, this yeah. person who is in charge of... Taking these actors and giving them what they need to move forward and to bring those characters to life, I feel like there could have been some really great performances, even with the dialogue that we had. And yeah. and because I'm specifically talking about the scene with, uh, you know, I think Kirk, you were sort of alluding to it too, where he's really upset after his mom dies. And they've already buried her and he's in the room that I think C-3PO was taking a bath in. I might Don't quote me on that uh, in episode four where he's like, oh, this bath is going to feel so good. But anyway, so he's like- That's a good C-3PO. An- yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, so Anakin is like freaking out and he's he's reaching all these emotional highs and lows, everything from I, I, I'm safe because I'm fixing something or why'd she have to die? Like really upset. He goes through like all the stages of grief in this one scene. And Padme is just like, staring at him because the, the whole entire universe is collapsing on this person, which by the way is a really tough burden for somebody that has not dated a lot to get all that. So anyway, that's a small right. caveat and, and I'm, I'm sticking up for Padme in that regard. But, um, but yeah, I feel like he just needed guidance because Hayden Christensen is just like an actor with potential in this role. And yeah. because acting is also a craft, like not like, Maybe Tom Hardy and Dana Day-Lewis and Idris Elba and like these act like maybe they don't really need that much direction. But most actors do. So Sure. Well, well
0: yeah. and or Lucas directed Hayden Christensen to actually act like that yeah, because in other performances he he can he has a range. Yeah. He's yeah. you know, when in those scenes when he's talking about the sand going up his butt he comes across he comes across Uh-oh. as the like this whiny little annoying like the scene is just i i can kind of i think i can see the pain in Natalie Portman's eyes as she's okay. trying <laughs> as she's yeah. trying to perform <laughs> a, across from this what am i is this a romantic scene i'm trying to yeah, you know right. and 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 so uh, you know it i don't blame Hayden Christensen at no. all well again and imagine how awesome it would be
2: if you're, cause you know, the, the fact is, let's not kid ourselves. It was supposed to come across as a wooing process, as a falling in love, as a thing. Now, granted, with a little bit of subtlety, but it was, but we were supposed to be like, Oh, how nice. They're falling in love and then tragic stuff's going to happen. But imagine how awesome it would be. Like the next scene, Natalie Portman's character is complaining to Obi-Wan or whoever being like, he's a child. He's this like arrogant, Child, and he's talking about fucking sand. You know, can you imagine if the self awareness of what we were experiencing yeah. had been in there? Well, to, uh, oh, to, to, fun to, fact.
1: To, I'm sorry, just real quick on that. Like, so there are deleted scenes with Padme's family. You can find these where she, oh. she talks about some of that stuff. Oh, they cut oh. it out of the movie.
0: Like what? Yeah. Like what?
1: Um, well, she, she doesn't actually go into like problems with Anakin. It's more like, oh, boys, and like, oh, but, but like, you know, the idea of let's give Padme some other people to talk to besides this fucking character was there. Anyway, please go now, Kirk. I'm sorry.
0: Interesting. Well, to, to give Lucas a, a little bit of credit, the scenes in which they're supposed to be falling in love, there frequently is this emerging uh, notion in Anakin of wanting power and liking power. Like the, even the way he woos her is from a position of power. You know, he uses the force to like impress her and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it comes across as whether Lucas meant it or not. And I think he probably did comes across as nerdy and out of touch and right. odd. Uh, now the <laughs> fact that Padme responded to it is not written well into the story. So, so right. it didn't, that didn't make any sense. It's right. like that the whole time Padme right. is just like, Okay, young kid. Like, yeah. one, you're young. Two, you're a Jedi. You're not supposed to date people. Yeah. Three, uh, you, you know, you're coming across like a creep. Yeah, none of this works. Yeah, and somehow, it's, it just because of time spent together yeah. on Naboo, it, it turns around.
2: But this is, again, this is where I would give credit to Colin's theory of, like, I would have loved that kind of analysis somehow of, like, what's her damage that makes some of this craziness seem okay? But... But the problem is, like, also audiences, including myself, we're not that sophisticated. We don't all know about marriage and family therapy and all these things. So imagine if in, in Empire Strikes Back, uh, instead of just kind of like the surface level tension between a scoundrel and a princess, we actually get like actual dysfunction. And like, Han is actually a dick. And like, that's a lot harder to process. Now, maybe that makes for a better Oscar-worthy movie, but it's a harder thing to process. And that's clearly
0: not something that Lucas was pulling off in the... Not to derail this too much, but to derail it uh, somewhat, (laughs) is the scene in which, in Solo, when Han, young Han, runs into his old girlfriend Uh on that ship with with the the evil guys, uh, you know, a lot of people... Yeah, Daenerys. A lot of people didn't like that scene because uh, they finally, he finally finds her. Yeah. And it comes across as this kind of... Anticlimactic. anticlimactic. And she's like barely reacting. Yeah. But um, I contend that that was written really well because he is, he you know, his personality is such that he tries to act cool. Yeah. Uh, he, she is trying to save his life by yeah. saying, look... Okay, great to see ya. You know, it's, yeah. it's a good reunion time, you know. And, and he's put off by that, but he's not the sort of guy who's who's going to, you know, Han has never been the sort of guy. Right. He doesn't go to Leia and go like, "Look, Leia, you know, they're on the Millennium Falcon. They're in the belly of the asteroid beast." And and anyone who criticizes the other movies and not for, you know, 4, 5 and 6. You got to look at that asteroid <laughs> beast and go, "Come on." But anyway, Great scene. Love it. For the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you were 10, you know, okay. So, uh, you know, Han doesn't go to her and say, Look, Leia, you know, I've been coming on a little strong, but I like you. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm sorry. Um, and uh, I, I, I feel like maybe we could have something going. Right. And it's up to you, of course. But, you know, give me a chance. I'm a nice guy. Like, uh, you, you can trust me. Like, he, Han doesn't do that. So when Daenerys comes up to him and, and he's like, oh my God, I found you. And she's right. standoffish. She's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's how it's going down.
2: Yeah. So I'm mostly on your page. The two, not to derail this too much, but I'm going to, the two complaints I have is one, the follow-up from that scene, because Han is petty and does not forget slights. So the follow-up from that scene did not properly address that he actually would have been
1: hurt underneath. And yeah, that, I'm going to, yeah. I think that I'm going to come at this from a weird angle. I'm, it's about to get a little weird, so I hope that the, this the podcast can handle it. So um,
0: wait, so you're going to say Han was secretly attracted to Jabba the Hutt, right?
1: <laughs> oh, well, five, that's oh, a whole other podcast. Sure. I don't want to get you know too excited. I mean, that's so, why that's
0: why Jabba <laughs> wanted him back. That's why he sent out the bounties because you know he was a jilted lover. I
1: like him where he is. Yes, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, so I think that um, we could compare the two performances of Amelia Clark in the scene that you're discussing and then Natalie Portman and through literally the entire runtime of episode two and say that one director understands the dichotomy of vulnerability and strength Mm -hmm. and one does not because both actresses are very capable of portraying both at the same time because guess what? We're all multifaceted. We're all dealing with a million different emotions at the same time. It's, you know, we're, we're complex beings. And so Natalie Portman's character was given no complexity to play some of these things. And so I think that that's why people are so disenfranchised by the romance in episode two, because really that he wanted to have his cake and eat it to him being George, because he wanted the like very relatable, simple love story between two attractive people. But then also there are these weird things like, so I was mentioning her. I think she's not even just a merry figure. She's a dominatrix Mary figure. Now, listen, like (laughs) I know you were saying that Anakin liked to use the force to woo her. And I think that you're right. I think it is about power to some degree. But I think he's a brat and he wants her to tame him. And the reason I'm thinking that is the case is at the beginning of the movie, she literally diminishes him. I don't think by callousness, but she's like, Oh, you're just a little boy. I remember you on tattooing. You're a little (laughs) boy. Like, as he's clearly trying to be sweet and sexy, but he keeps going. He absolutely. And every time she's like, don't look at me like that. The way that you would say, like, if you're babysitting somebody and they're looking at you weird, like, please don't look at me like that. I'm uncomfortable. He's like, oh, like he just gets more excited, more Mm. and more excited. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to like, I'm going to like use my force powers to like tease you. I'm going to like do these things. And so, like, he's going to be a brat until he gets spanked. Like, proverbially spanked. Fifty shades of the Force. In fact, I'm just realizing,
2: can't Jedis use the Force to, like, really, like, tease someone sexually?
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Uh, And I never thought of... You know, episode two being so sexy.
1: Yeah, but it's not. But that's the thing: is that it's like that's the, that's the issue: is that George Lucas had no idea what he was actually writing. But, so, but okay, but but this is, this goes
2: to the point that I think we're all making is that there are all these themes in there, right? It's like he yeah. he actually has these very complex thoughts. Actually, I I'm seeing. Thank you, Colin, because I'm you're helping me discover this. This la- layers of of meaning that he probably did try to imp- put in there, yeah,
0: like Jar Jar being the Sith Lord,
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, unfortunately, uh, a combination through all uh, of many different aspects of, and reasons, not being able to pull it off in a in a subtle, nuanced way, and so what ends up happening is it feels like only the surface level is what's trying to get across. Therefore. That bratty kid should, she should not be falling for that in this scene. And I don't understand what's happening. And why are we now at a wedding? And it's, you know, and so we only get to see sort of like the surface level of a poorly developed set of concepts that are actually deep and interesting.
0: Yeah. I think he was trying to write a star-crossed lover scenario instead of a bratty kid and a like a woman who doesn't even know what she wants scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that you're drawing these, you know, connections, you know, Padme, his, his mom, queen, mommy dominatrix. I never thought about that. But again, if we were to take this as a real life psychology example, which we're trying to analyze his psychology, one could conclude that because of his slave upbringing, And watching his mom be subjected, you know, we don't see those scenes, but he probably saw his mom being subjected by by powerful men. Um, It's hard to imagine, you know, uh, that guy doing things. But anyway, uh, we will often develop sexual fetuses related to our childhood sometimes and sometimes regarding trauma. And to see your mom being beaten, you... Might develop this uh, or to be beaten by someone, you can start to uh, you know sublimate that into a sexual pleasure uh, experience to protect yourself from the harshness of it, right. and can later develop a fetish of wanting to be overpowered and by a dominatrix it 's not a dysfunction it 's fine, and Anakin didn't yeah. exhibit any dysfunction in that area, but it could explain why Anakin. Uh, Was one attracted to an older woman, a queen, someone with power, someone who put him down? Yeah. And because presumably he could have pursued a lot of different women, but some for some reason really wanted to. And not only, uh, you know, think about all of us, you know, may have had a crush on a first grade teacher Or a crush on a babysitter or something. In Berto's situation, it's, you know... Or a
1: coach for me.
0: Yeah. And uh, you grow up and you still want to date them, you know, that that it would be intrinsically related to that very early child experience of love towards that person, that it wouldn't have graduated necessarily. And uh, that Anakin's, you know, issues could have affected his fixation on Padme. Hey, I have a pitch... I have a pitch. What if we change
2: episodes 1 through 3 to be the Obi-Wan's arc? And so the, the movie opens with Obi-Wan. We see a lot more of Obi-Wan's inner life and his life and all the struggles and stuff. And Anakin, of course, we are following. But Anakin is not the protagonist. And so what happens is we're under no pressure to make Anakin actually that likable in scenes that would be unnatural to do so. So now we can actually see this dysfunctional relationship developing. And by the way, Padme is irrelevant in the sense that, sure, she's going to be Luke's uh, mother, but not relevant in the sense that she's the the romantic interest of our protagonist of our three movies, right? So therefore, she can be flawed too. And then we can see through Obi-Wan's eyes... Like this developing problem in the conflict. But we see more of... So this, I think, would have been a case where Obi-Wan could have been a nuanced, awesome hero. And and yet we could have seen all the Anakin dysfunction. But we wouldn't have had these awkward moments in the movie-watching experience where we're like, am I supposed to be liking this right now?
0: Am I supposed to be thinking this is good, romantic? Like- right. So we fast forward to Revenge of the Sith. And mm-hmm. he still has that narcissism. He's still being told he's the one. He still knows he's more powerful. Uh, Once again, a father figure steps in, Palpatine, who is, you know, the most powerful man in the galaxy. He's immortal, apparently. And is giving uh, Anakin all this accolade, same way as Qui-Gon did from on high. I am special. I am the one. The Jedi Order is like, uh, we're not quite sure about your maturity yet. We're not quite sure about you becoming a Jedi Master yet.
2: They're like, they're like, I know we took you away from your mom at a young age and we gave you no emotional attachment. Or whatever, We're not sure you've uh, attached properly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, sure. we know that you
1: have problems feeling like you belong. So let's go ahead and question whether or not you belong over the course of several years. Oh, um, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Even though there was no Jedi course on attachments mm-hmm. and emotional regulation, we have some problems with your emotional regulation. Um, and... Because of that narcissism, because of that, that rage and that, uh, that all those losses and that pain. And then he starts to have visions of his, his mother, uh, you know, wife dying. And no one has the answer. And the Jedi are like, it's not a good idea to go down that road. Palpatine comes along, gives him uh, an answer to uh, save his, his wife. And also to save his wife in a special way, not just a ticket to save his wife, but huh. I am going to be the instrument of life giving to right. my wife and maybe to the whole galaxy. And, uh, you know, I am special and this Jedi, these Jedi are in my way and, and I am going to be able to do this and I have the power to do it. And, uh, then, uh, so how does it, what's the sequence go? Like he, what is that tipping point? Oh, he goes into well, the, Dooku. uh, what do you mean? What happens with Dooku?
1: Well, you're talking about like when he finally switches over and like gives into his drive as opposed to like what right. the Jedi tell him
0: or. Right. So that was sort of the yeah. slippery slope, right. Is like killing Dooku. Yeah. That's what you're referring to. Right.
1: Yeah. He like, he beheads him. Uh, yeah. he's a, he, he's like a blunt instrument from the beginning of the movie. Like, kill, I mean, and, and by the way, like, I think that's another issue with the writing is that, conveniently, all of his adversaries are droids. Like, I'm not, like, I know we could go into a whole other thing, like, well, maybe they're sentient, I don't know, but,
2: like, (laughs) but
1: they're not people that he's having to murder, but he's nevertheless, like, killing, 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 or just destroying, 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 and then he stops for a second, and then he's like, oh, I shouldn't, it's not the Jedi way, but it's very clear that it's not his instinct like his instinct is to kill and like Palpatine senses that and he's like no just do it just do it and then hey you do a good Palpatine
0: yeah Yeah, you do a good C-3PO and Palpatine that's pretty amazing oh thank you yeah uh yeah so I mean that was kind of a slippery slope moment that's not like that's not a kicking out of the Jedi order moment but it's a a moment of straying from the path that maybe needs to be taught out of him and then uh he is told by Palpatine that Palpatine can has the answer to save uh, to save Padme, and also has the ticket to uh, really realizing Anakin's uh, true potential and his narcissism really being gratified. Because you know, at this point in the story, if he chooses the Jedi, he's like, okay, maybe another ten years of being a being a Padawan learner, yeah, uh, and. A, a secondary character in the grand scheme of the Jedi Order, right. and a and a, a secondary character in the grand scheme of the galaxy. Or Palpatine has the answer to gratify my my narcissistic supply, yeah. to uphold my my grandiose defense mechanism that is protecting me from the vast emptiness of my soul. That uh, because I was never raised right enough, you know, well enough growing up. And he enters the Palpatine's office. Mace Windu is there, about to kill Palpatine, and uh, Anakin is faced with a choice. And again, a better director, a better writer could have you know, executed this better, but right. the storyline is good in that he has to make this choice between light and dark. Yeah, yeah. And the dark side is selfish, the dark side is attachments, which again... Is that really the dark side? You know, to, to to be attached to your wife, is that really a bad thing? But, you know, in the Jedi world, it is a bad thing. To choose Mace Windu is to choose detachment, rationality, objectivism, uh, you know, professionalism, a life of loneliness, really, yeah. on some level. And it's a tough choice to make. It's the good side. He considers himself to be a good guy. He, he makes the choice for for life for Padme and for specialness for himself and what he believes to be order in the galaxy by getting you know, by prevail you know to to eliminate the enemies and to bring a a one order to the entire galaxy. And you know, I don't know if you've seen this Colin, but there's analyses that call the rebels they're actually like insurgents or terrorists in some ways because when the Empire is, is in place and the rebellion is, um, you know, subdued, there actually is a stability and non-killing and peace in the galaxy that you can't really disagree with. And
2: also terror, because as soon as anyone sees a stormtrooper, they're like, oh, shit. And they kill indiscriminately. They massacre Jawas. They massacre people.
1: They... So let's not forget about that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've heard a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this, uh, this last movie of this prequel trilogy, I mean, I'll just say, thank God for baby Yoda because it really made me frustrated with that green asshole. Because even from the beginning, he was very like, he was not strategic because he's in a war. Like this wise Jedi has to be, he's like so close to achieving his goal. and, bringing peace and stopping the clone wars like forget about being totally transparent with everybody that you talk to forget about like the jedi's or the jedi orders like stance on not having attachments and just let this clearly disturbed man who's like i'm really afraid that my wife is gonna die like even though he's not saying wife like i'm really afraid this person who you know I love is going to die. Like instead of saying, Oh, just let go. Like say like, Oh, you know what? Like take time off, like spend <laughs> with her, like go to the beach, you know, like, cause you're literally, all you have to do is send like a few Jedi to kill a couple of generals. And so, and that's the first part. And then, then to not be like, Hey Mace, Hey Mace, let's not withhold the seat on the master, you know, on the masters right now. Like we can always fire him later just for now. <laughs> just and he doesn't do that and it's just
2: so frustrating to- no that's that's an excellent point because like, look when when Yoda says to Luke don't you know don't go to your friends it's not like out of cruelty and, and I don't think at that point in the storytelling it is an absolute meta point about never ever go and try to help your friends or something I think it's made clear that Yoda is trying to say look man, there's this bigger problem, which is that you are going to have to face Darth Vader, but you're not ready yet, and it's going to fuck everything up. I'm seeing the visions right now. And I think that's way more redeemable than what you're bringing up, which is essentially, mm, I sense great disturbance in this boy, so therefore we should make <laughs> him more disturbed and more frustrated and let his wife die and let her, you know, like all this shit.
0: So getting back to Anakin's uh, psychological development, we can skip forward four, five, and six. He is... Uh, with his father figure pleasing him all the time the the palpatine the the, the emperor yep he's bowing to him he does everything he you know wishes for his approval and then
2: sorry sorry one quick thing we skipped over is his brother nearly killed him
1: oh yeah we got to talk a little bit about obi-wan i think
0: obi-wan in and his right. mind, basically betrays and nearly kills him. Right. And, you know, puts him in this suit with all these, you know, with burned skin yeah. and constantly needing to be healed every day and whatever kind of back to situation. And in his
1: mind, stole Padme. He right. didn't, but right. he thinks he did.
0: So more traumas, more losses, obviously the, the death of his of his wife Um. He uh, had to kill all those people, which I actually don't believe he's a psychopath, and and very much didn't deal with that very well. Had to suppress all those feelings right. of guilt yeah. and shame, and and the trauma of. I mean, he literally killed the the quote unquote younglings, which yeah. I've always hated that word. But um, and you know, Mandalorian they call them the Foundlings, you know, yeah, <laughs> which doesn't sound as bad, but is in that direction. But anyway. They go to uh, you know, we go to episodes six and Luke comes along and Darth Vader's, you know, Anakin's going along with it. And, and all of a sudden he's uh, he's he's about to be killed by his son. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, I deserve it. I you know, this that's how this goes down. Palpatine wants Luke to kill me. Uh Uh, So wait, you know, my father figure that I've dedicated my whole life to you is just throwing me to, uh, you know, the wolves here, my own son. And then all of a sudden, who, you know, his own son, uh, a family member who uh, says to him, uh, I I see good in you. I believe in you, father. Uh, And I'm not going to kill you because, uh, you know, I'm not going to give into the dark side, presumably because I care about you. Right. And. I'm a. I believe in mercy and love and connection. Probably because Luke was able to have proper attachments with Aunt Beru and That's right. Uncle Owen. Um, you know, at least with Aunt Beru, Uncle Owen seemed kind of like a dick, but
1: but he was around and he was structured yeah, yeah. and disciplined. Yeah, 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 yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Also, I think that Luke the way that another way that he just you know there's a huge distance between him and his father is that they both were warriors right but their wars were very different i think that in anakin's war he had to be and now now that i'm thinking i never even thought about this i wonder if this is like a statement on like the generation gap and like how wars for our country like the way you had to be in a war was a little bit different so like you had to conform, right? You had to, like, let go of everything that you are, you know, or right. were before you went onto the front lines to, to fight your battle. And that was definitely oh. Anakin. And, and because he had no strength of self, he kind of lost his way. But Luke, like, we see it very differently. He's not... He's not told to suppress. If anything, like the way that the rebels are portrayed in Four, Five, and Six is that they are a community. Yes, they have to do, uh, they have to enact violence. They have to be strategic and go into the battlefield. But they're not doing it uh, because they, you know, are uh, this religious thing. It's just people all fighting for a shared ideology because they all have a stake in it. You know, the Jedi they're sort of passive. They're just instruments. But the rebels, they're the people that are directly affected by the empire. And so Luke like found his community, whereas Anakin never really did. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and
2: and sorry to your, to buttress your point. It was an empathetic community. Right. Yeah,
0: and, and a and a community of fun, you know, when they see each other, when Mon Mothma is giving uh-huh. the lowdown of the next mission, They smile and they hug and they, you know, pat each other on the back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's human, if you will. So Luke lays down his weapon and says, I believe in you. I'm not going to kill you. And uh, at the same time, Palpatine's thrown Anakin under the bus. And now Anakin's like at the lowest he's ever been. I'm about to die. I'm powerless. My own son has defeated me. My father figure has thrown me under the bus. I'm about to die. This is sad. And then all of a sudden this person who believes in you and sacrifices himself for you and says, you know, I'm connected to you and um, come with me kind of a thing. Anakin chooses to do that. Uh, he He's kind of forced in some ways because he probably would have died. Otherwise you could see that, but but he chooses good because he's not a psychopath. He's not a right. sadist. He's a screwed up kid who lost a lot of things was never given love or, and no one really ever believed in him for who he was. You know, Luke wasn't saying, uh, you know, I believe there's good in you and I need you to do X, Y, and Z. He's just right. like, I just believe you're a good person. You know, I, I see and you're it.
1: so powerful. You know, he wasn't talking about how he, he could do something for him, you know? yeah, Right. That's
0: true. And so Anakin turns around, does the right thing, throws Palpatine down the tube uh, I'm guessing he's still alive because Anakin comes back in episode nine or uh, Palpatine <laughs> comes back episode nine. So he didn't uh, really help much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh, that, God. that weird blue light came back up, you know, that, yeah. poof, you know? And that then, was the ship picking him up from down below. Ha, and then, <laughs> uh, you know, Luke uh, uh, and Anakin for the last hour of his life, Anakin can say that for the first time in his life, he was living genuinely and um, without the pressures of the Jedi, without right. the pressures of the Sith, just with his son and um, having done a good thing.
1: Yeah, I like the the visual motif of Vader as it changes when you watch movie to movie. So when you see it, and again, it's very hard to have an authentic first watch of anything Star Wars now, because it's just everywhere. But... <laughs> You know, I remember getting the VHSs um, from some neighbors randomly of the uh, what I would like to call the definitive edition of the original trilogy, where Han Solo does not move out of the way and Darth <laughs> Vader does not scream no when he throws Palpatine <laughs> down the pipe. Um, wait, but wait, wait, wait! There's a version where he screams no. Oh, Umberto, you want you want to feel like the wind <sighs> gets knocked out of you? <gasps> it's horrible. It's on Disney Plus. I I didn't <sighs> expect it to be there. I didn't expect it to be there when I was watching it the other day. Oh, it was truly terrifying. Wait, yeah. what happens? He says no, Kirk. When he, D- when he D- throws, Twitter? when he, yeah, when he throws MP goes, no, like he looks at Luke And then looks at Palpatine and goes, No! And I like all the subtlety was gone. And I was, I almost wanted to cry. Oh
0: my Why would you do that? Are you sure? Oh my gosh. I got to rewatch. Please. Is that that Lucas trying to connect that to three or something when he's like, No?
1: I don't know when the change was made, but it really upset me. I hope not.
2: Oh, he's, you're right, because he's always quoted in that, in that documentary. He's always like, it's like poetry.
0: You know, it rhymes (laughs) together, it
2: flows together. So you're right. He's like, yeah. That it's
0: like, a... it's like poetry. It's written by a third grader that doesn't know how to make anything make any sense. It just it's rhymes. So stupid, it's, it doesn't have to make any sense. It just rhymes.
1: Yeah. It's not okay. But, um, but yeah, so to, if you're watching it, if you're able to go back and watch it and try to put yourself in this place, it's like, he's really just fear, man. In like episode four, he's like, he's total darkness and yeah. he's really, there's no, there's no variance to him. He is like bad guy in a, in a movie serial, which is what inspired George Lucas, right? He's like evil, evil, evil. Then oh. episode five comes around and there's seeds of like interesting. And and so you start to like hear the nuance. I think that like really James Earl Jones has to be given credit for this. And also David Prowse too, because there's some physicality work that, I mean, it's just amazing, but it's like he becomes more of a mysterious figure. And you can tell by the way that he shot too. I think the, it was it's been it's the strongest direction on any Star Wars film for sure, in my opinion. I guess oh. some there would be some people that oh what no, I, I totally agree with you on that. I I was just gonna take a slight slight issue
2: with the the first one is that I actually I actually thought that for a character whose face you never see and who ultimately in the grand scheme of things doesn't have that many lines in the movie, I actually thought that he was quite nuanced in episode four, in that um, even by the way you've never even met the emperor right but remember right. it's clear he's not actually fully in charge he's sitting there in the little conference room it's clear that uh, what's his name uh, the the guy who they CG recreated yeah Admiral Admiral uh, whatever it's clear he's the one in charge right it's clear that, that – that, anyways, I don't want to belabor the point. My, my my simple point is that I, I don't disagree with you about Five being even superior, but I actually give them credit that even in Four, even when he was probably written to just be the bad guy, I actually saw more subtlety to him than just the bad
1: guy. Well, I think that you're right. I mean, I, I think that he's one of the most interesting, like sort of like – a I I see Maleficent this way too – Like. Very bad, you know, a portrait yeah. of darkness, but a very intricate portrait. Yeah, and I, I think that it's less like what, what he is, more like how the characters see him. Like Leia sees him, she sees fear. Um, even yeah. though she's, I, I love the way Carrie Fisher plays it. She's like brave in a lot of those scenes and it's great. Um, but it's like her fear... Fair for Luke, um, other than, of course, Obi-Wan, which is, that's a whole other story. But uh, then by five, I think that, like, some of the visuals change with Vader, too. Because, like, there's this shot in Empire where Leia, it, it's right before Han Solo gets uh, put in, uh, put in uh, carbonite. He, like, lingers near Leia. And there's this, and then she, like, slowly backs away. And there's no dialogue, and there's stuff going on in the background, but it sure. just meant so much. And then also, like, the way that he approaches them, like, I would be honored if you'd join us. Like, yeah, yeah. They're, he's, they're slowly getting him closer to the characters. And then, of course, in the end, they connect Luke and Vader indefinitely. Yeah. Then, by so – so, like, episode five was leading you to look inside. And then by episode six, you feel like you're – there's this, like, pulsating – and that's why they had to write six the way that they wrote. Uh, they wrote it because like you could feel the humanity inside of that. And you just wanted the mask to come off. Yeah. Yeah. Very good.
0: All right. So Colin, any last words about Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader's psychology?
1: Well, I was wondering it's, it's nothing terribly deep, but um, I wonder if he lived with chronic pain because (laughs) you know, and I think that that's also partly like the motif of, what he always was, you know, like the, you know, all the pain of being a slave and the pain of war and the pain of his loss and his fear. And it's like trapped under this dark mask and this dark chest plate. And it's like, it didn't look like they did anything to ease his pain when those droids, it's like, if anything, he was in more pain whenever those droids were fixing him towards the end of three. So I, I can't imagine that he's like comfortable in that thing you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, th- I think that was the implication was, like, the original implication is, like, when you go to the dark side, y- you become distorted. Yeah. And you have to have some some kind of disfigurement happen to you. Of course, when it came to, you know, uh, Darth... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Maul? No, or the... Uh, anyway, or cities? even Darth Maul. Or... Uh, they didn't necessarily do that, but yeah. I think that was, uh, you know, the theme that Lucas was going for. And... Uh, also, I think the message he's trying to get across is like, yeah, you know, they put him back together, but it wasn't without a tremendous amount of pain and discomfort that he was going through.
2: I, and I think it's clear yeah. in episode five, uh, at least in five, uh, that cause you know, they show the scene with him taking the, putting the helmet back on and you see mm-hmm. that he's like, he's not comfortable with this, both. He doesn't want anyone seeing him vulnerable like that, uh, it's, it, it's, I think the implication is that there is medical pain that he's constantly dealing with. So, yeah.
1: And I, I think that, like, for me, the, the prequel trilogy, and especially Anakin's over-importance, because I'm totally, I think the best thing for the prequel trilogy would be to make Obi-Wan the, the protagonist, because there's no foreseeable protagonist, and that's pretty clear to, I think, people who aren't even, like, super movie buffs um even if they can't define that and that's why those movies alienate people but um but I think that like for me I don't know why but I've watched those movies a lot and it's like a seeing eye painting or, or like in those seeing eye books where like the picture is a bunch of little splotches and it's not really anything but I'm like staring at it so long and my eyes end up like (laughs) fixing to a point i'm like oh there's something there like i can kind of see it i don't know if why that's why i've revisited them but i think that there's some kind of message about you know us needing to take care of people who have endured trauma and who Mm. have gone to war and you know don't get the help that they deserve and i think that it just was in the wrong hands and that's unfortunate i love it and I mean, not the there, there's
0: some great scenes in one through three. Yeah. I mean, the pod racing yeah. scene is legit.
1: The lightsaber duel,
2: the, what, the Darth duel Maul. of fates or whatever. The... Darth Maul. I like a lot in three. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you're right. In three, the, the intro with yeah. the battle yeah, outside yeah. Uh, above um, uh, uh, Coruscant was was pretty great.
1: And Ian McDiarmid is just a class act. He's so good as Palpatine. I mean, my God. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, by the Grand way. Grand
1: Moff Tarkin. Oh, my God. Of course.
0: Well, uh, senior cor- senior Austin correspondent. Do you, do you want to be senior Austin correspondent or senior Texas correspondent, Colin?
1: Well, probably Texas, I would say, because okay. um, I, I actually don't reside in Austin at this oh. present time. Oh. Yeah, um, I reside in Dallas. Um, oh, okay. Although Austin is my favorite Texas city.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Now
1: are we saying señor? correspondent or senior
0: correspondent. Uh, <laughs> well, you can say whatever you want to say. Okay.
2: I'll say senior correspondent, Texas correspondent.
0: <laughs> so sorry about that. I, I don't know why I got, I, th- I knew you were in Dallas. I, I don't know why I got Austin stuck in my head.
1: I think you just, because you're a, because you're such an intuitive therapist, you read into my thoughts that that's where I'd like to be. So yeah,
0: we'll say that. And not the fact that I'm losing my memory <laughs> um, and, and not really paying attention half the time. Um, <laughs> So uh, another call-in with Colin with uh, senior Texas correspondent Colin Miller. Uh, Always great podcasting with you. Uh, I can't believe I learned more things about Star Wars, which makes it more rich. And uh, if people are still listening, uh, you either hate listen to this podcast or you're a Star Wars fan, too. And so uh, if they want to give... Colin, a uh, some kudos. Where can they find you, Colin? Uh,
1: so I'm at uh, Cinema Cepha One. That's my uh, Twitter handle for the Cinema Cephalopod. And if you want to reach out to me and talk about movies, I'd love to say hey. And also on Facebook, I'm on the uh, you know Psychology in Seattle fan page a lot. Just nice. po- I think the last post I did was uh, recommending Steven Universe as a show because it's pretty great. Yeah. All right,
0: well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Uh, happy Star Wars Month Go episode 9 and please take care of yourself, Colin, why should people take care of themselves? You deserve it. That was horrible. No that was I can't good. do Darth Vader. Well, The voice
2: the, the breathing was great. The voice was more like the predator or something. <laughs> but I love it.) <laughs> Thank
0: you.